we all have a choice to walk through that front door and say, I'm going to spend my money here. Mm -hmm. Look at that person with a sense of gratitude because they've chosen us, number one. And now let's deliver an experience that's based on that sense of gratitude that's coming from within inside of yourself. Be there to engage from a place of, of gratitude and thankfulness. You can change somebody's day. You can change somebody's life by a smile and your interaction that you have with them over food. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Today, I'm speaking with a very dynamic operator of five very distinct dynamic concepts in Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to talk all about the secret sauce and the magic dust of running great restaurants. You're not going to want to miss it. And if you haven't done so already, head on over to restaurantrockstars.com forward slash profits. I'm giving away three ways you're killing your restaurant profits. Immediately actionable information that will improve your bottom line. Now, on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Imagine both your front and back of house teams are so well trained that they're executing flawlessly. Your front of house is doubling your sales, boosting repeat business, and creating five-star dining experiences, while your back of house is consistently preparing each dish to perfection, on time and to spec. Having a restaurant this dialed takes a unique training system. That's where Serve comes in. Serve means study restaurant variety. And it is a powerful, mobile training system, custom-built to meet the needs of your restaurant. Serve will up-level your team's knowledge and skills, maximize your profits, and create experiences guests will rave about. Serve is the key to unlocking your restaurant's hidden potential, and will prove that the more your team is able to learn, the more your restaurant will earn. It's Serve, and it's a game-changer. Ready to serve? Get started at servenow.com. Not answering your phone is one of the quickest ways for your restaurant to lose a potential customer. But between serving in-person customers and dealing with the kitchen, it's hard for staff to prioritize incoming calls. That's why your restaurant needs pop menu answering. Simple questions that keep your phone line tied up can be handled without pulling a staff person from your in-person hospitality. Reclaim the power of your phone. Pop Menu Answering is powered by artificial intelligence to answer the simple questions most people call in with, like, do you have outdoor seating or what are your hours? Within the Pop Menu platform, you can customize answers for your restaurant and choose the voice your guests hear, plus create customized greetings. Pop Menu Answering picks up your phone 24-7, 365 days a year, turning every phone call into an opportunity. Plus, Pop Menu's full collection of tools helps optimize your restaurant's website and menu, streamlines your ordering experience, and assists in retargeting to enable you to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. Get help answering your restaurant's calls now with Pop Menu Answering. And for a limited time, my listeners can get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. With me today, Mr. Eric Sheffer of the Sheffer Group, a long, illustrious career. Can't wait to dive into it. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, I love talking shop with operators. You're not just an operator. You also help other operators improve their business. And that's what the Sheffer Group is all about. But before we go there, you know, I always ask my guests, what is your backstory in this restaurant business in hospitality? Some people go, you know, way back when they were 15 years old, their first job was in a restaurant somewhere. Maybe they worked for McDonald's or a country club like I did. Um, some people just cooked in the kitchen with mom or grandma. You know, it, it's different for everyone. What's yours? Where does it start? Well, it all started for me, I guess. My passion for cooking started with me um, cooking in little Italian restaurants um, on Long Island, New York. When I was about uh, 14, 15 years old, I used to uh, get a summer job uh, in my father's. My father had a very close friend. His name was Vinny. Vinnie Coppola, and I used to uh, work in some of his kitchens with his son, you know, chopping garlic, making sauce, um, and that would lead us to hang out with, uh, you know, the old grandmothers at the end of the day, the Italian grandmothers. I also spent a lot of my time uh, growing up on the North Shore of Long Island, and I was, um, I, I had this sort of little business I, I created for myself where I would go out and I would... Um, clam, I'd get oysters, I had some lobster pots, and I used to collect all that stuff and bring them to little restaurants on the coast in Cold Spring Harbor and sell that. And my mom was a really an amazing cook. So those three things combined sort of started my real passion uh, for um, food and beverage, mostly. Uh, my, my dad was a very well-known uh, person in the advertising industry, so we got to travel a lot. So I got to eat in some really wonderful restaurants. So I experienced from the other side what it was like to be uh, given what I consider, you know, exceptional uh, hospitality or service, and all that sort of stuck in my head. The interesting part was that I ended up taking a little bit of a right turn and going to my family's business. As I said, my dad was in advertising, so I got into uh, the early part of my life. I was in rock and roll and TV commercial production, and um, eventually feature films and. So I, I did that for about 18 years, and I realized how I was doing something that I was good at, but I was doing something that really wasn't filling my soul and really wasn't connecting with who I, 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 I later found out who I really am inside. Um, and so I, I chose to give up the, the, the Hollywood glitz uh, lifestyle. I lived out in Los Angeles. And actually, what I would be doing is in between jobs, I would actually go off and take these little two-week cooking classes, like in France or Spain or, you know, Los Angeles and such. And it it really continued to fuel that passion I had inside of me for hospitality and for and and for food. Um, and I uh, met my wife, uh, my now wife Heidi, uh, uh, in Argentina on a, a TV commercial I was producing, and. Uh, she came back to the United States after that. And uh, we, we, well, we fell in love and got married and we were both just miserable living in Los Angeles. She was an actress and me being a producer. And we looked at each other after some bad incidents that happened. She got mugged. I got attempted carjack. The earthquake of the 94 hit in California. And it was like, you know, maybe some, something's telling us now is the time to make some changes in our lives. And um, in those days, I still am. I'm a bit of a jokester, and uh, my nickname was Hollywood. And and so, I um, I, I went to a bunch of folks that I had contracts to do some projects with, and I just walked in and I said, "I'm done. I'm I'm leaving. I'm I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I got to get out of L.A." 
And they all thought I was joking and I was kidding around. It was just like, no, this is serious. I, I need to, I need to, I need to cut this umbilical cord here that I've had, you know, in the industry for so many years. And we did, we, uh, we, we had a friend of ours that, that called us up and said, we just, and he, he was a chef in New York and he said, uh, why don't you come check out Asheville, North Carolina, you know, and take a break. And, you know, I know all this bad stuff just happened to you and, you know, just, just take some time off. And it was November of 1994. And I'm like, Asheville, North Carolina. I mean, that's in the middle of the mountains. I'm a Jew from Brooklyn. I mean, you know, what are you talking about? I mean, it's, 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 a, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so we, long story short, we, we, we went, uh, for Thanksgiving and we got off the airplane and, um, it was, it was, we got off the airplane, we got lost. I was driving, you know, I got run out of the car, I got lost. And, you know, where I'm from, a, a parkway, you know, you've got four lanes and there's, you know, usually gas stations and such. I said, let's get on the parkway there and see where that leads us. We'll find a gas station. Well, here in Asheville, in the Smoky Mountains, the Blue Ridge Parkway, it said the Blue Ridge Parkway is, is, is a two lane little road. It's the most beautiful road, I believe, in the United States. But, there's nothing on it. So we got up on this road and we got lost again and we pulled off to a, uh, an outlook and we both got out of the car and we looked out over these amazing, amazing mountains and this incredible view. And just, there was an energy there and we both turned to each other and we were both crying at the time. And it was like, this is where we need to spend the rest of our lives. And within a week, I went back to LA packed everything up. We drove cross country. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do when I got here, but I knew I wanted to start a new life and that life would be in, in, in culinary. Um, so we got here and um, the gentleman who I was talking about, who, who invited us to come have Thanksgiving with him, he and I opened up my first restaurant together. Um, and he was the chef and I was the front of the house and uh sad and that was called the savoy it was it was uh, one of the uh, premier fine dining restaurants in the southeast for about 10 years he and i didn't make it after about the first year and a half so i took over and i was both chefing and running in the front of the house and so that's kind of how i got to where i am today wow those are great memories and you've covered so much ground there what's really coming through eric is your passion for this business like it runs deep you know there's pride there there's passion there you're not only helping other operators we're going to get into the shepherd group but i also want to talk about your concepts well like i said your whole story of starting this restaurant and moving on to the next one and and how much time you spend there and what is really important in running restaurants So I I, uh, I I started the uh, Savoy in two thousand, uh, late ninety nine, early two thousand, and that was spectacular. It was it was a great time of experimenting. I bring some really young chefs around me that knew a lot more than I did, um, that were were on their edge of their careers. Several of them have gone on to become uh, James Board James Beard nominees and award winners. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it was really great, and um, it was it was it was it was. What I what I decided was I wanted to bring upscale dining to Asheville, North Carolina, which I saw a lot of people moving here. And again, this is back in 2000 that had a lot of money, a lot of retirees. It's a big retiree community. So I I wanted to 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 bring that that fine dining experience, that experience I experienced when I was traveling around the world with my parents and eating in great restaurants in New York and so on and so forth, and bring that sort of elevated style. But at the same time, what I wanted to do and what is really at the core of the ethos of everything I do is create a culture, create a culture within a restaurant where yes. you got buy-in from everybody, everybody from the dishwasher to the hostess to the server, a, 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 a culture that was that was 
driven by the brand that you that I had created. And this was this 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 ultimate service, this exceptional hospitality, um, being 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 so grateful that people were walking in the door every single day, and 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 exuding that and, and giving that an example in the way that you would serve people. Um, our food, we never had a freezer in the restaurant. Everything was from scratch. And a little mistake I made, you know, we changed the menu like once a week. That's a big lesson I learned. Um, you know, we tried to use what we did. We used we used local all the time. We were working with local farmers and such. It was just it was this great, energetic, fun. You know, um, uh, just growing period for all of us, and we were experimenting. The one thing I learned from that, and you know, hopefully we all learn from our mistakes, is fine dining is is, is very expensive, right? It is. Sure. Uh, farm to table is very expensive. Yeah. You know, using fresh product is very expensive. Um, so you talk about margins that get down to like that, you know, get really tiny and small and you're scrambling, but you're so in the heat of it and you're so successful. At least you think you are. And, you know, people are lining up and making reservations and so on. And you're selling 400 bottles of wine and such. But then you start paying attention to the numbers. And you your laundry sick. bill is right up there with your food costs, right? Because linen napkins and tablecloths and every it, time you change a table and it's like, and that's just one small piece of it. But I hear you keep going. No, exactly. So, you know, you, you, you start to realize that we're having a great time. There's lines out the door. You can't get a reservation for two, three months, but my bank account's not growing. Restaurant owners and managers, I call this the business of a thousand details, and you've got more important things to worry about than calculating and paying your monthly sales tax on time. Well, that's where Davo comes in. Davo puts sales tax on autopilot for restaurants. Davo uses sales tax data from your point of sale system to set aside the exact amount of sales tax you collect every single day and then files it and pays it when it's due on time for your restaurant every month. Davo takes just five minutes to set up, and once it's up and running, you never have to worry about paying sales tax again. Davo costs $49.99 per POS connection per month, and your restaurant can try Davo for the first 30 days free. Davo was created by a successful restaurant chef and owner who knows what's important for your operation. Time is money, and you've got more important things to focus on, like pleasing your guests. You can't put a price on peace of mind. Why not try Davo for the first 30 days at DavoSalesTax.com? Right, so right. Um, I had a very good sort of business background being a film producer, you know, being TV commercial producer and such. You know, you, you, you're taught to work with budgets. So I went back to some basics and I went back to, okay, really drilling down on the numbers, really drilling down on the budget and, and realizing that I was losing my ass, you know, truthfully. And um I won't complain because what it did is it kind of put me on the map, the restaurant itself and the concept and, 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 and the press and so on and so forth we were getting. So, you know, to make myself feel better, I guess I looked at it as being, okay, you're paying for, you know, laying the pathway for your future in some way, you know, by, 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 by getting this attention, by getting this, this, um, you know, the, 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 the awards you were getting, I was getting, you know, wine spectator awards and I was nominated for James Beard award twice. Fantastic. I love it. But you know, Again, the bank account wasn't building. Yep. And then, as would happen, the universe came up and smacked all of us in the head. And in 2008 and nine, we started doing that crash, the economic crash. And we were losing money hand over fist. And, you know, people were, you know, pulling back on their on their spending. They were losing their fortunes. You know, people weren't, you know, looking for fine dining anymore. And I knew that I had two choices. 
One is get out of the restaurant business, which I did not want to do, or reinvent myself. And at the time also, I was I was very involved in a lot of community stuff here in Asheville. So, and it was easy because it was a small town when I moved here, about 72,000 people. And I was on a lot of boards and I was on the tourism board and such. And I got to see what the shift and such was going on within the communities. I thought that was very important for me to engage myself in the communities. So I understood who I was feeding, what I was, you know, the type of, you know, pocketbooks I was looking at, you know, what these people, you know, tourism was bringing to town and such. And what I realized was there was a tremendous amount of people, again, leaving and retiring from New York and Connecticut, and New Jersey and, and Boston and coming up from Florida and finding this, this little gem that we have here in the mountains, uh, great climate, you know, really very, just a beautiful place to live. And they were all starting to, 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 to fill in Asheville. Well, I said to myself, I wanted to stay in the restaurant business, but what can I do right now to keep myself alive and to bring something that would be new and fresh and exciting? Well, I said, what do people need right now? They need to be comforted. They need to be, they need to feel like uh, they, they, there's a place of familiarity for them. And if I can evoke some memory within these folks that, that, that sort of takes the outside world away and brings some joy into their hearts, I'd probably be successful at that. And that's when I went back to my roots of all these old school New York Italian restaurants that dot Long Island and New Jersey and all these places and such like that. And I said, I'm going to open up a place like I used to work in. I'm going to open up a place like, you know, Damiano's Pizza up the corner. I'm going to open up this great little family run old school New York Italian restaurant, you know, with red sauce and linguine and clams and, and, and eggplant parm and, and, you know, pizzas and such. Sinatra playing in the background. <laughs> Sinatra playing, you know, the martinis being shaken at the yes. bar. Yes, beautiful. And I got really, excuse my French, fucking lucky, and it worked. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and, fantastic. Uh, and yes, it, it was the best thing I ever did for several reasons. One is it, it, it grounded me. It brought me back to reality in many ways. It, it helped me use the business skills I had to really hone in and developing a menu and, and, and working with my, my team and such on food costs and labor costs and, and margins and such to where I will tell you that, you know, and somebody said this to me many years ago, it's a great saying, you know, if you feed the classes, you'll eat with the masses. If you feed the masses, you'll eat with the classes. And it came true. You know, I started making more money and was more profitable than I've ever been. And it just started to snowball. Now in our 11th year, Vinny's has been voted the number one Italian restaurant for 11 years here in Asheville. Um, we win all sorts of awards, but the award I'm most proud of that we win every single year is for best service. Now, yes. and, you know, we have restaurants in town again with James Beard award-winning chefs and restaurants and, you know, Kodate and, 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 and Bull and Beggar and such. And, we blow them away when it comes to the you know the local voting that takes place here. And actually today, every single one of my restaurants is one, two, and three on TripAdvisor here in Asheville. And I believe it's because going back to what we said before, is creating creating a brand that that that, that has a well-defined culture and then inculcating that culture into your staff so that staff can now put their arms around a guest and have fun with that culture and inculcate themselves into the daily lives of our guests. And that's how it's really worked for me. Therein lies that magic word, hospitality. 
hospitality. When everyone that uh, interacts with a guest really understands what that word means. And it has different meanings to different people, but the core of it, I think you, you brought clear. And it really does start with culture. And like you said, really indoctrinating every person into what we stand for and what we hope to achieve and what our mission is. And every single day, it's like reinforcing those concepts through best practices, leadership versus management. All these things play into hospitality. I'm sure you'd agree. Well, no, I absolutely agree. You know, and one of the one of the other core values that we bring to the table with our with our um, staff is gratitude. You know, we are some of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to a live in Asheville, North Carolina, but to be able to be a service of others and to be able to bring an experience to somebody that chooses. Everybody's got a choice in life, right? White, black, rich, poor, doesn't matter. We all have a choice to walk through that front door and say, I'm going to spend my money here. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, look at that person with a sense of gratitude because they've chosen us, number one. And now let's deliver an experience that's based on that sense of gratitude that's coming from within inside of yourself. Because you don't know if that person that just walked through the door just lost their mom yesterday or got married last week or had a baby or whatever it might be. Be there to engage from a place of, of gratitude and thankfulness and, 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 and try to your best you can. And, and I say this every day when I go to lineups at, at my restaurants, you can change somebody's day. You can change somebody's life by a smile and your interaction that you have with them over food. And it's, 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 it's one of the most magical things. And to me, uh, I'm still young. I'm 62 years old, but it keeps me getting up every single morning and and just bouncing out of bed with such joy and excitement to do what I do because we get to do that with people. We get to interact with people. And 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 to me that's there's no greater gift. I call it making friends with your guests every shift every day and yeah. giving them reasons to continue to come back and giving them reasons to spread the word and give you positive reviews. And clearly that's happening in your restaurants for sure. Well, you probably know a, a well-known uh, ad man. His name is Seth Godin. And Seth Godin oh, yes. talks about building you know, your fans, right? Right. I don't advertise. I, you know, a guy coming out of the advertising business, I got into the restaurant business and I decided not to advertise. I wasn't going to take out magazine ads or paper ads or any of this crap. Because I believe the best thing to do is to advertise from within. I want you, you to have a great experience and go out there and tell 10 of your friends. That to me is the best way that anybody, because it's the most honest way of advertising and communicating with somebody. I couldn't agree with you more. And that was definitely one of my guiding philosophies when I was starting my restaurants. I didn't believe in spending lots of money that so many restaurants do on advertising that really isn't trackable, where Not it's that. it's image-based. I mean, you and I understand that the tenets of advertising and consistency and repetition. And, and so many operators go down that slippery slope of a slick advertising person, whether that be radio or whatever it is, calling them up and convincing them to do something. And unless you can track that, You have no idea if it's even giving you a return on investment. And you're right. It's like, what's free? It's like training your staff to deliver memorable experiences and using the internal four walls of your business to promote what you do and what you do well and let your products and your service and your ambiance speak for you. And that is the best form. I I totally agree with you. Thanks for sharing that. I definitely uh, wanted that to come through. You're right. There's no ROI on, 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 putting an ad in a magazine that somebody takes a, a you know a second and a half to go past as they're turning the magazine. Right. The best return on your investment is investing in the people that work for you and 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 you know and 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 really 
you know, I do. And, and now for the Sheffer group, we have a brand manager, you know, and so that person is over our, our, our messaging and our stories and, you know, our websites and our social media and such, but it, it's, that's important. It's important to really clearly define the story, if you will, for, for the guest and for the, for the public, but to, 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 to waste your time trying to, to get somebody to come through the door just for, with a magazine ad is not going to, it's not going to do it. And, um, right. you know, I, I found, you know, I, I'll take a half step back, but Please. when I hire people, one of the most important thing I do is, 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 is I'm a very big Danny Meyer fan. Uh, setting the table is a guideline in my business. All my management staff reads the book. We 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 go through chapters together. We we look very importantly at what in one of his chapters is the fifty one percenters, right? Those people that you know really exhibit certain qualities, you know, self awareness and optimism and integrity and, and 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 empathy and you know. And when we interview, we interview based on that basis. But when I hire people, what I do is I also talk to them about the fact that. I don't care if you stay here for a month or if you stay here with me for 10 years. I want you to first become a better person by what you're doing here, by your interaction with people, by your interaction with your with with, with your um, coworker, how you how you lift others up within the building when they're not having good days, how you how you pick up somebody's section a little bit more to help them out because becoming better people and I don't expect these people to work for me for the rest of their lives. What it does for me is it gives me that satisfaction and 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 really warms me to know that they'll go out into the world and be better people too. That's my responsibility because, as you know, owning restaurants, how many hundreds of people work for us? I mean, currently I've got you know 136 people working for me, and I've been doing this for 22 years. So, you know, do the math. It's 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 there's a lot of people, and I want people to come through my world, not just to be looking at you know how much tip am I getting? And, you know, you know, where am I going to go, you know, party tonight? I want people to, to grow and to become really, you know, better people, as I said, just from being within my world. Well, this is one business where you don't need a formal education to rise to the absolute top of the industry. What we teach and what people learn in restaurants every day are life skills and people skills, right? two of those foundational critical elements being successful in any career. So a lot of people start out in the restaurant industry and go on to do other amazing things. But I think you're touching on something. It's it's about longevity and building a place where people feel they're part of something, they can contribute and giving them opportunities to grow and move up in an organization. And it sounds like you're doing that. I understand that you've got very high tenure with your staff. You've got 136 plus employees, and a lot of them have been with you a very long time. And I think that speaks volumes of what your leadership style is. Tell us about that. Sure. Well, um, you know, as an example, and, and I want to go back to the education thing for all those that are listening. You can. I am a... I am a high school dropout. <laughs> I did. I, I I didn't drop out. I just barely made it over the finish line. So you know, it, 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 college is great for some, but you know, it's not I, for everybody. I, not Doesn't for everybody. Need to be. Yep. Exactly. But um, so starting back in the Savoy days, I had a woman that I brought in to help me uh, when we were getting very busy with the books, and her name is Renee Hermanson. And uh, Renee uh, quickly, uh, we 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 just became family with each other. And she quickly moved up to become the manager of the Savoy. Um, went on to uh, help me open up Vinnie's, close Savoy, open up Vinnie. She had a baby, came back into my world as my uh, a bookkeeper, actually. And she's now the CFO of my of the Sheffer Group. 
and runs all my businesses with and for me. Uh, and she's been with me for 17 years. Uh, my director of operations, uh, Sean Cudmore, has been with me for eight years, and he started out as a as a as a runner, and then became a server, um, and moved his way up in the organization. Dean Boscovich, who's my uh, culinary director, has been with me for eight years, and he started out as a dishwasher, and moved his way up to be a chef in one of my restaurants, and then come with me. Uh, Nate Welling, who's uh, the head of uh, development and training for my restaurants, he's been with me for seven and a half years, and he started out as a server at Vinny's. And I can go on and on and on. I've got a core of probably out of the 136, I'd say there's a good probably 15 people that have been with me for five years or more, and most of them like eight, nine, or 10 years. And I think it's, you know, I love these people. I mean, you know, without them, I couldn't, I couldn't feed my family. I couldn't, I couldn't take care of my daughter. And, and, you know, I, I treat them like family. I go beyond just, Hey, come on in and make some money for me. You know, I want to know about their lives. I want to know about their families. I want to, you know, I, I do this funny thing and they all laugh at me, but I, they'll often see me out in the parking lot and I walk around and look at people's cars. And somebody said to me one day, Eric, why are you doing that? I said, because I'm looking at people's tires. And those people that need tires, I'm going to put new tires on their cars because I want to make sure they're safe going back and forth from my place awesome. and every place else. And so that's what I would do is I would just go buy people new tires and such. And it just became this thing to where, it, you know, it's grown into our, uh, you know, we offer a wonderful healthcare and insurance program for full-time employees. We have a healthcare program for part-time employees. And, and one of the most important things also is that we offer a mental health program, which is a big thing in today's unfortunately, society and community that that, that was too long uh, put underneath the rug. But going back to what you're talking about longevity, if you treat people right, and if you respect people, and if you and if you keep everybody the best you can on an even playing field, you don't put somebody above somebody else. And you listen and you allow people to give you feedback. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm a strong headed, you know, New York guy. And, you know, I've got my opinions and so on and so forth. But I'm happy to listen to anybody's opinion. I may not always do it, but I want to hear it. I want to hear how you can make my world better. And when you allow that to happen and you allow people to 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 really not just be a cog in the wheel and, and to really express themselves and again go back to being human beings and, and and that interconnection we can have, it changes everything. Restaurateurs and managers. Every day guests are asking your servers one simple question that can make or break your bottom line. That question, what do you recommend? Studies show that 92% of diners will order whatever their server suggests, so if you're not already doing everything you can to harness the influence of your frontline team, it's time to start. I'm excited to introduce you to Sparkplug, an all-in-one customizable incentive management platform designed for restaurants. Sparkplug fully automates sales contests, goals, commissions, letting you build incentives, track real-time metrics, and fulfill prizes in one dashboard. Over a thousand businesses are using Sparkplug to motivate and engage their front of house to ensure they always have the perfect answer when asked, what do you recommend? Now you can too. Sparkplug is free to try and is offering my podcast listeners $200 off their first sales incentive. Visit sparkplug.app forward slash rockstars to claim your $200. That's sparkplug.app forward slash rockstars. Eric, what you're talking about is so critical right now and so pivotal to operations in any restaurant because pre-pandemic, when there weren't any labor crisis issues and business was strong and restaurants were kind of cruising along, 
there were an awful lot of managers out there that delegated. And I'm big on this now because anybody can delegate and tell somebody what to do. And it's a rare person who's a leader that empowers people and really gives them room to fail and nurtures and develops them and mentors them and brings them up in an organization and recognizes as, and rewards their achievement as they grow. That's how you're going to keep people happy in an organization. And that is so important right now. And it sounds to me in what you just said that you are a mentor among mentors. You've got management or leadership team underneath you that have, that share the same philosophies. It all trickles down and you're touching your people in a personal way and making them feel like you care and that they matter and that they have opportunity in your organization. I, I, no, I think that's really rare. It is. Everybody in my organization, and I tell this to everybody from the dishwashers on up, you can move up anywhere in this company you want. You could you could come sit next to me in my office if you want. You know, do the work and you know, sh- sh- show me your desire, and I'll yep. teach you. Right, right. Um, and you're right. I mean, there's a big difference, and I hope your audience understands this. There's a big difference between delegating and leadership. There is. There's a huge difference there. Yeah, you, know, you can. You, too many people delegate, and they walk away. You know, yes. delegation without good leadership and mentorship is, 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 is you know, it, it falls apart. So, you know, you still have to have in some way, you know, and we talk about this all the time, you know, what are, what are we doing to, to, to train and to, and to encourage and to, and to, and to grow people into positions that we need, especially since the, the labor situation is the way it is. I mean, you know, think about the amount of money you take, you know, talk about the business side of this. And I've done the calculations. How much money does it take me to train you? How much money does it take me to get you on the floor, you know, and teach you to be a really good server? It's thousands upon thousands of dollars an hours. And if you lose that one day, because somebody gets pissed off because they don't feel like they're being paid attention to, or they're not being, you know, uh, respected or appreciated, you just had money walk out that door. And I look at it that way. I mean, I, I, I drill down to the nickels and, 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 and the amount of money you lose not retaining employees is enormous. Um, yes. It's enormous. And a lot of people don't get that. It's like, okay, I'm just going to fire that person. Let's go f- hire somebody else. No, actually, t- and I do a lot of exit interviews when I can, but find out why that person wants to leave first. You know, what is it about you? I look at, you know, quite frankly, my wife always laughs at me, but I come home all the time saying, you know, I failed today. She goes, what do you mean you failed? You've got three restaurants, you've got a catering business, you're doing success. No, that guy quit. And I don't know why he quit. I didn't get a chance to touch him. I didn't get a chance to understand what was going on for him and his life. And, and that, those to me are failures. You know, when I don't, you know, look, I, I know I'm not going to keep everybody, but if I don't get the opportunity at least to touch you, Great. or have my teammate touch you mm-hmm. to say, look, what are we doing right or wrong for you right now? How can I make this better for you? And at least give me that chance. Not that right. you'll stick necessarily. Sure, sure. That's a that's a beautiful missed opportunity in my mind's eye. You know, and you asked a question earlier, and I'll tell you, I do my best to go to every single one of my restaurants every single day. I do my best to work at night on the floor in those restaurants at least once or twice a week. And I try to pick like one restaurant this week, one in the restaurant. It's hard, you know, as you grow, you lose that. And that's why it's so valuable. I have the people around me um, that, if you will, have been drinking my Kool-Aid for a long time. Um, that can walk in and know exactly how I'm thinking and how I want something run and done. So I have that comfort because we are growing. We, we've got some more Vinnies, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that we're launching in, over the next uh, two years and, um, you know, s- some other things we're working on. But it's, 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 
if you're going to be a small little mom and pop restaurant and that's it, that's cool. I mean, I get that, you know, and on some level, that's, that's kind of like, you know, Nirvana, if you can make that work for yourself. I'm just a serial entrepreneur that keeps on wanting to grow and build and, 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 and while doing it, you know, help others find their space in life, you know, and find their, their, their passions in life. You know, you, you, you strike me as, well, you're a big personality one and, you know, hospitality is at the core of that personality, but you must have so many friends in Asheville and no matter which restaurant in that area you're in, people must be stopping you constantly because you are the personality behind your business. And I get the sense also that you have developed your leadership team below you to also be those personalities, to recognize those great guests, but not just treat your regulars that way. It sounds like you treat anyone walking through the door, whether they're a first time visitor, you treat everyone like an old friend or that they are a regular, you know, I get that sense. It's just coming across well, very strong. I appreciate it. And you're right. You know, I, first of all, I love people. Um, I really do. And, you know, my wife always gives me crap because we go out to dinner and no, we cannot have a dinner without, you know, people right. coming. Oh, you're the mayor. And, you're the mayor of Asheville. Exactly. Well, they, they call me the godfather of mayor. There of you go. Even better. Um, but, you know, human interaction is so important for me. And, and I really get joy out of, out of, out of meeting people, getting to know people, um, making people feel welcome. It's, you know, it's, it's a very hard skill that I've really mastered and, and, uh, I'll give you a little secret and put it out there in the air, but because I've been doing this for 22 years and I've met so many people that I could be in one of my restaurants and somebody will come up to me that I know I've met, but I can't remember their freaking names. And, and, but happens all the time. I know you meet so many people and, and, and it's easier to remember your name and everyone knows Eric, but it's like when you meet thousands of people constantly and some of them come back and some of them don't, and you recognize the face, but it's so awkward sometimes not to say, Hey, John, Hey, Bob, Hey, David, good right. to see you again. That was one of my biggest problems. My memory was for faces, not for names. And it's embarrassing sometimes. And you pretend like you know who they are. You do know who they are, but well, it's you, just can't, you know, I was going to say it's it's about humanity. It's about that 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 connection with other people. Um, there's a there's a wonderful wonderful chef. His name is Pierre Tem, uh, who owned a restaurant in New York called Taranga. Uh, look him up. He's amazing. You should if you ever get him on your podcast, it would be brilliant. But he did a podcast with Lynn Rosetta Casper, uh, who uh, does the Splendid Table uh, on NPR. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. On the but she retired. And I never forget, I listened to uh, the podcast that she did with him, and it was in my early part of my career, and it just all clicked. And he talks about Tarango, which is, it, it, it's a value. It's, it's, it, it's a value of hospitality and how you treat others and, and in Senegal. And it's about inviting others into your home to sit around the bowl. In Senegal and most African community, you know, countries, they eat around a bowl. And it's I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's a ritual, really. Eating is a ritual, and it's and it's it a cultural, deeply embedded cultural thing historically, but it also is what brings people and family together as well. I mean, food's exactly. the universal language, but in Senegal, this is the this is the tradition. This is the ritual. Yep. And it's about yeah. bringing the what he calls the other, which I like the term the other, into your into your into your home to sit around your bowl, whether you know them or not, and. And, 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 and the, 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 the value of giving to the other and the value of sharing with the other and the value of 
providing for the other, as he would say, is is, is the most essential thing of their culture and and again of the uh, uh, of their values. And that's how. And when I heard that. It changed my life when it came to the restaurant business. And I realized now I really can put it all together why I'm really doing this because it's the value of the other, not of myself. It's what I want to give to the other and to those people that I want to bring into my restaurants to sit around my bowl, the thought of the bowl as they come into the restaurant and give to them and share with them, not knowing who they are, whether I ever met them before or, or, or what their lives are about. That to me became the essence of, for me at least, Delivering, as Danny Myers would say, exceptional hospitality. For sure. I got that sense. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. What a great relevance that was to share that particular story because it really cuts to the core of what we're all trying to do every day and what we should all be thinking about with each and every guest, every table, every time. I totally love that. The bowl. Uh, I I mean, it's so simple, yet it's so deeply rooted in what we're talking about. And it's it's the same. Every culture is the same. And, And you can take pieces and cues from different cultures around the world and apply them to your business and just stand apart from the competition. In a way, that's marketing as well as hospitality. Well, yes. I mean, I I look at the marketing as being a byproduct of the hospitality, sure. but right. yeah, very much so. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, the other thing I try to work on very hard, and it's very difficult these days, especially with the way a lot of people are struggling, but I, I really try to remind the people at work for me that it's not about the money. It's not about the stuff. It's not about how much you have. It's the joy you get out of living every single day. And I don't care if you're rich or poor, you can find that place of joy. And every single day you get to start over again, right? You go to sleep, new day, brand new shit, leave yep. the other stuff behind you. And you can start over again in this joyous place. And 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 if you, if you could make money the byproduct of what you do, it's very hard. It takes time. But if you make it the byproduct of your actions and the byproduct of your heart and the byproduct of how you touch other people and the byproduct of service, you'll make a lot of money. And, and, and I have servers today that come up to me and say, Eric, you know, cause I, I do a monthly sort of, you know, rah, rah meeting with all my restaurants. And I talk about this stuff and so many servers come up to me and said, Eric, when I stopped looking at how much I was making in tips, I started making more money because I was able to concentrate more on myself and, and the service I was delivering to others. And it works every single time, every time, not fail. Thanks for sharing. Let's let's dive into the Sheffer group and what you sure. do, because your knowledge base is so deep and all the things you've learned over you know, your 20 plus year career. And you can transfer that knowledge, that experience, that approach to a business in so many different areas. Do you do you specialize in any one area or are you pretty broad based with your team in the restaurants you work with? What I specialize in is healthy, op- healthy restaurant operations. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, I say we, me and Renee and our, our, you know, Renee and I over the years have created what I call the secret sauce of, of, of hospitality economics. And it is very specific, you know, economics is economics. And, you know, I've met a, a hundreds of accountants that don't get it. And I have one great CPA who, who actually gets it and he's actually a CPA for a lot of restaurants, but mm-hmm. The economics in the of, 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 of hospitality is so different than how any other business is run. And we've really, really narrowed that down and uh, narrowed it down not only from a, a tax structure perspective, because 
I was having this conversation just the other day with somebody. I do everything above the board. I will not, you know, slide cash under, you know, we're, we're very by the books. I mean, you don't want those nasty people at the IRS and, you know, <laughs> knocking on your door. Come back day. to bite you in 10 years down the road. Look right. out. I hear you. It's yeah. not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it. Sure. And so, you know, we, we have figured out a way to, to, to really look at how to monetize the, 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 whatever your concept is, um, you know, but we break it down starting at, you know, I always ask a question. It's very funny when I, when I have potential clients and, and I ask them, why are you doing what you do? I want to know that first, before we talk about anything else, tell me why you're doing what you're doing. And I would tell you that 60% of the people I talk to, I don't take on as a client because they don't answer it. Right. And it's usually, it's, it's, it's ego driven. It's not, it's not driven, you know, they're trying to drive their businesses from their ego opposed to driving it, A, first looking at it as a business and B, as we've talked about, you know, how are you serving the community and the others and, and, and the people that work for you? And does your concept really work? I mean, we break down the concept, we, we break down its branding, we, take, we break down the story and its messaging, you know, we look at the locations and such. So we, we really dive into all of that. But my first question I always ask somebody is, why are you doing this? And most people have no idea why they freaking want to go in the restaurant business. And I always tell them, save your money. You're going to fail. You, you're going to, you, will, you will lose your fortune, whatever that might be. Right, right. I've, I we've seen more, it all before. And the statistics are still there, of course. Statistics you know? are still there. Absolutely. You know, mm. when we, people thought I was out of my mind. Um, but when I opened up uh, Jetty Ray's Oyster House, uh, which is my higher end oyster house seafood restaurant uh, here in Asheville, we opened it on July 20th, 2020, right in the middle of COVID. And people thought I was out of my freaking mind. Well, <laughs> I, I probably, I probably yes. was, but I had no choice because we were heading in that direction. No and, turning back at that point. Is that it what was it no, was? It was yeah. no turning back at that point. Yes. You know? So we, and I, these, these brilliant people that worked for me and with me, um, got and sat around tables late at night and, and, and said, how are we going to make this work? We have to make it work. And what we did with actually with Jetty Rays, which has now become, it, again, it's Asheville's number one, you know, uh, upper scale restaurant in, in, in Asheville. Uh, we opened up as a counter service restaurant as, you know, more coastal seafood. You know, I, the concept of the restaurant for me, Jetty Ray's was about coastal seafood, everything from Maine down to New Orleans. Like I told you, I grew up on the coast of uh, Long Island. I used to work in clam shacks, you know, in the summertime and stuff like that. So I wanted to bring that back and, and, and bring that to folks here in Asheville. And so the concept was, was pretty cool. We never had something like that before, but how do we feed these people? So, you know, we did the thing with big tents outside. We had a, a lawn area. We had a patio. So we just, and and we didn't let anybody inside. We, you know, it was counter service. You came up, you ordered, you sat down, but we didn't stop delivering exceptional hospitality. We still gave great service. So when COVID ended and we were able to open the doors for full service, we were ready to take that next jump up into that, that more refined dining uh, experience. And it's worked for us. It's really worked. But going back to your earlier question, I teach people this. It's like, you know, you know, if you, I, I got a great story for you. Please. So there's a guy, there was a guy in Richmond, Virginia. I knew his father very well. And his father dumped a million dollars into his business and it was failing. And, and they bought the building and it was, it was not going well. I said, what does your son do? He says he makes barbecue. I said, okay, let's go to Richmond and check it out. So I went with, actually, Renee went with me. And we got there and it was this place, uh, I don't think it's in business anymore. It's called Grandpa Eddie's. And it was a barbecue restaurant. 
So I went inside and I looked around a little bit and he served me some of his barbecue and it was literally some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. It was amazing. I mean, it was mind-blowingly amazing. And it was a, it was a sit-down restaurant, you know, servers, so on and so forth. So I said, give me the menu. So he brought over the menu to me and on the menu were salads and some wraps, a couple of things there for vegetarians. I think there's some chicken wings and stuff like that. And I took a Sharpie. I said, give me a Sharpie. And I crossed everything out except the barbecue. I said, you're a barbecue restaurant. Yes. Yes. I said, stop trying to please everybody else. He says, but what if somebody comes in and their wife's a vegetarian? Well, what if somebody comes in, you know, and they're a vegan? And again, excuse my French. I don't know if I can be. Go ahead. Let okay. it fly. <laughs> I said, fuck the vegetarians and fuck the vegans. You're a barbecue restaurant. Do what you do best. And we tore Thank apart you. the menu and we went down to just straight up barbecue. I said, why do you have all these servers here? I said, let people come up and have a counter experience, which is very traditional where I come from in North Carolina, and, and have runners and take the food to the table. So he changed his complete model and became a huge success. Actually, he, I think he sold his restaurant and is now working corporate for Carabas. But yes, you know, it was like, awesome. it was one of those things of like, first of all, under, know your brand, be specific, don't care about every, you're not going to feed the entire planet with one restaurant, you know, do what you really do best. And the other thing he'd always say to me, and it's very interesting, and it's very funny because Servers would say this to me all the time when a new Italian restaurant would open up in town. And they would say, Eric, what about that? You know, you know, what do you think about, you know, Giancamo's or whatever it does opening up in town? I said, I don't care. I, open up 100 Italian restaurants. I don't care. As long as we do what we do really well and we focus on ourselves and don't give our energy off to somebody else and worry about what somebody else's problems are, we're going to be successful. And that's the other thing is that people take the eye off the ball, right? They get They get comfortable. They, they, they don't show up. You know, one of the things that Renee says to me, because well, she works with a lot of other restaurant clients, she got an accounting firm. She goes, Eric, you're the only restaurant owner I know that shows up every day. You're the only guy that actually walks in his restaurant every single day and touches everybody. I hug people, you know, it's losing that connection and your identity that really starts to rip you apart and take you apart. So at the Sheffer Group, what we try to do is bring you in. We try to teach you first from a humanistic perspective of who you are as a person. Can you really handle this business or should you really be in this business? And if you really want to do that and be in this business, here are the tenants and, and, and the things that really need to be in place in order to be successful in the restaurant business. And we take it everything from, I help people brand all the way down to you know finding real estate locations and everything in between. That's fantastic. How do people find you? You know, it's been, it's been, Word of mouth. <laughs> you know, we just finally got a website up, sheffergroup.com. Um, but it's mostly been word of mouth and we're starting to expand. We've got three clients now we're working with uh, that that have found us. We only started the Sheffer Group in January. Um, That's and they're, great. they're very large clients. And it's, you know, it's a joy for me because if I can help, if I can take all of my experience and all, all the times I got, you know, kicked in the, in, you know, between the legs, um, and, 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 and turn that into positive situations for other people, then, then it, 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 I, I'm so gifted to be able to, 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 to have those opportunities. I really am. Eric, you shared so much with our audience, a lot of key nuggets about operational wisdom. That's hard earned wisdom, just smart common sense, but the real core elements of what makes this business work. And, you know, we talked a lot about brand building versus running a restaurant. We talked a lot about the importance of leadership and mentoring people and just how we want to treat every single guest. 
we've talked, we, we started this conversation by saying people have been really beaten up badly. And now it's about rediscovering the reason. Well, your first question is, why do you want to be in this business? What's mm-hmm. your best advice to operators who have been in this business and they're still standing and they, they sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's like, God, another day of this, you know, how do I get through this day? This one just quit and I need a new chef and, you know, all the nightmares that are happening right now to restaurants, rising costs. I can't get product anymore because of supply chain issues. I got to raise prices on my customers. It's like, I got to keep my guests happy, all this stuff. I mean, you know, we're talking shop now. What would your best advice be just to keep on going and get to that magical place of, I really love my restaurants like you do. And I'm really happy that I saw the course and I stuck it through. I wish it was a one word answer. There isn't. I mean, I think being humble helps a lot. Being honest with yourself helps a lot. You know, don't, don't lie to yourself. If it's not working, it's not working. Don't try to push something to a place it may never go or may never be able to go. Um, be transparent with yourself and the people that work with you. Be honest. Be transparent. I'm very honest and transparent with my numbers and everything with everybody that works for me. Um, and then maybe just take a deep breath and take a step back and you know ask that question. Is this what I want to be doing for the next 10 years of my life? And if it is, there's a reason why they call it work. You know, I'm I'm the 5:30 in the morning guy, and I go to bed late at night, and I I sit, and every challenge that comes to me, I absolutely know in my heart I can overcome. That's the thing that's gotten me through these really hard times. It's always going to be okay. I really believe that. I really believe for good people in this universe and 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 on this planet, if you if you do the right things and 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 you really and I, I don't mean to be sounding so esoteric about it, but if you really take the time and sit down and know it's going to be okay and analyze the numbers and, and, and look at the people you have around you, and you may have to shift your model. You may have to shift from you know, table service to counter service. You may have to you know, change your menu, but now's the time to do it because you are right. Inflation, rising costs, you know, supply chain issues, they hit me every single day. And what we do every single day is say, okay, what's the new issue we have to deal with today? What's the new opportunity I have today to make myself better to stay in business and feed my family? You know, again, I wish it was one answer, but it, it just it takes it takes it takes some just taking a step back, but focusing and taking a deep breath. And if you really are passionate about the restaurant business, and that passion follows through to your customers, and don't forget they're the ones that are paying the bills, it'll work. And if you keep you know, too many restaurateurs forget that customers will make or break them, you know, and customers are, are compassionate people. They know what's going on. We've all had to raise prices and they support you. They understand they have to go to the grocery store and buy something. So if you can take the time to take a step back and really say to yourself, how can I still best serve my customer while staying in business and while de- delivering one, you know, a, a wonderful experience and product, you'll be successful. But it's work. It takes some time. This is a very, very difficult business, as you know. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need to tell anyone that. Eric, those words were beautiful. That was true wisdom. And you're an inspiration. And I really thank thank you you for what you're doing for the industry and for all all the gems that you shared with our audience today. You're a great guest. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Everyone can't wait to see you in the next episode. And we wish you all to stay well. 
Thank you. Eric, thanks so much for being a great guest on the podcast. You offered so much advice and insights on what it takes to run a great restaurant company. So thanks for being with us. Thanks also to the sponsors of this week's episode, Pop Menu, Devo, Spark Plug, and serve the restaurant training app at srvnow.com. Can't wait to see you all in the next episode. Please stay tuned and stay well. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's a treacherous road, and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.